Chapter Thirteen, Part Two of Cedric the Forester by Bernard Gay Marshall. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirteen, On the Road to Runnymede, Part Two. Twas then high noon. As we left the council hall, Sir Cedric took me by the arm and insisted that I come to his inn for the midday meal. There was in his inviting a special urgency and a look in his eyes from which i who knew him so well of old instantly gained the knowledge that this was no ordinary matter of courtesy but something of vastly greater moment so i easily suffered myself to be led toward his quarters and soon we were seated at a board that was graced with a goodly roast and all other due refreshment when we had something satisfied our hunger and the old serving-man who waited on us had departed cedric bent toward me across the board to say what sayest thou richard to a ride of a dozen leagues or so and a little adventure whereby if fortune favours we may do our cause full loyal service with all my heart i cried whither shall we ride and on what errand twas two months and more since we had seen activity and this dull life of the camp and the town was little to my liking sir hubert gillespie had lately struck a blow for the king by the surprise and capture of two strong castles in the midlands that we had thought safely in our hands while we with our brave array at stamford consumed the days and our dwindling substance in idleness tis one that's something dangerous forsooth replied my friend and i doubt much whether our elderly and prudent leaders would approve say no more for mountjoy is with thee to the hilt what followers shall i bring and with what arms a dozen lusty swordsmen men still young and light on the feet and with heads to understand a stratagem dickon and john of the wallfield and elbert the smith are the right sort see that every man wears beneath his outer garment a coat of linked mail and carries a sword no longer than his arm within the hour i will meet thee at the beechwood thou knowest to the south of the town and will bring a like number of the men of grimsby we shall ride hard and far so look to it i pray thee that thy men be well mounted we may have cause for speed on the homeward road an hour later with four and twenty proper men cedric and i rode out of the beechwood and took the high road toward the south where but five or six leagues away the castles and most of the towns were still in the hands of the king's mercenaries i knew full well that the quest on which we were embarked was one that meant our cause's advancement and would have willingly trusted cedric for the rest but now we drew ahead of our horsemen and he explained full clearly his design twas such a plan as only cedric would have formed and its outcome in truth exceedingly dubious but we were comrades of old in many a venture that would have been refused by prudent men and now he had no labor in convincing me that this was worth the trial after an hour's riding we came to a thick wood and turned aside in this into a little glade where we halted to rest our mounts and to bring about a most surprising change in our apparelling at a word from cedric each of the grimsby men proceeded to withdraw from his saddle-bags some garments which being unfolded appeared as the long gray cloaks and hoods of palmers each it seemed had brought a costume for himself and for one of the mountjoy men and now in less time than the telling takes 
we had all laid aside among the bracken any headwear or other dress that might not properly consort with these and stood forth as a body of pilgrims in the dress that marked those who had accomplished the toilsome journey to the holy land soon we were on the road again and save for now and then the rattle of a sword-hilt or a robust laughing word might not have been distinguished from a cavalcade of devout returning pilgrims such as were not uncommon on our roads without mishap we pursued our way into a region where all the points of vantage were held by our enemies and where armed parties far too strong for our gainsaying patrolled the roads or watched them from the hilltops in the late afternoon we came within sight of the castle of moberly which was held for the king by sir john champney with a hundred lances and six score crossbowmen on the left and but half a mile from the castle lay the abbey where william de belair favorite of the king renegade cleric and forsworn crusader held usurping sway over the monks and lay brethren and the fields and vineyards that had been the rightful domain of our associate at stamford whom we still greeted as the abbot of moberly at a like distance from moberly castle was a fork in the road just beyond a timbered bridge or a stream there the left-hand track led to the abbey and that on the right went straight to the castle gates at the full trot we took the former turning and soon were calling for admittance at the abbey doors this to a devoted band of pilgrims was not long denied the gates were thrown ajar and leaving two trusty fellows to care for the horses in the outer courtyard we passed into the refection hall of the monastery to pay our respects to this venerable seat of piety and learning our worthy palmers scattered themselves about the great room with its timbered ceiling and mighty fireplace and engaged in talk with the monks or in reverent examining of the painted series on the walls the work of an earnest though not too highly skilled lay brother and setting forth the story of joseph and his brethren after a little sir cedric acting as our leader sent word to the abbot whom we had not yet seen that here was a group of a score and more of palmers who now paid their first visit to the far-renowned abbey of moberly and who wished to have speech with the reverend master of the house ere they departed this message with its accompanying compliments accomplished its intent and soon william de belair in all the robes of his office entered the hall from an inner door and seated himself in his great chair on the dais if ever the character and history of a man were written on his face twas so with the false abbot of moberly my gorge rose within me at the sight of his red and bloated countenance that told so plainly of a life the very opposite of that led by a true monk and churchman his mean and shifty little gray eyes were all but covered with folds and wrinkles of fat yet quite sufficiently revealed a nature compounded of fox and pig de belair was one of a group of dissolute frenchmen who had won the favor of the king and the hatred of true englishmen by supporting our lawless and grasping sovereign in all his schemes for the seizure of power and wealth it was against them nearly as much as the king that our banner of revolt had been raised and in our articles of stamford we had already named a half-dozen of the worst of them who must be deprived of all offices and banished from the kingdom twas no blame to the church that such miscreants profaned some of her holy offices in defiance of her rights of ancient usage they had been thrust by their royal master into the places they disgraced 
oftentimes in reward for services which would not bear recording reverend father said cedric bowing low we congratulate ourselves upon our visit to this ancient and honourable abbey and we have here some gifts and tokens to bestow upon thee as the head of this worthy brotherhood de Belair bowed deeply in acknowledgment of this greeting when he raised his head again what was his amaze and horror to find that he that had addressed him so respectfully had sprung upon the dais pulled from his shoulders the palmer's cloak and now rushed upon him as a hound upon his quarry in an instant the long grey robe was flung o'er the abbot's head and arms and despite his struggles and cries a rope was speedily bound about his middle pinioning his hands to his sides then he was lifted bodily and hurried toward the courtyard door some of the monks set up a hideous outcry and one or two sought to intercept those who carried the bound and struggling abbot but where they thought to deal with unarmed pilgrims they found themselves confronted with two and twenty stout fellows each of whom had drawn from beneath his flowing cloak a short-bladed sword and flourished it in most menacing way they fell back before us overawed and understanding nothing of what had passed only one of the monastery people did preserve his wits at this amazing juncture and this an acolyte youth of sixteen years slipping out of the hall and through the rear of the abbey he ran as we afterwards learned to our cost with might and main to take the news of this mad foray to the castle's governor in the outer yard we spent some time in adjusting more firmly our captive's bonds and in cutting slits through the cloak that bound his head so as to allow him to breathe but nowise to see and scarcely to make himself heard with calls for help then hoisting him with difficulty for he was a gross fat man upon a stout charger whereon one of our own men rode behind him we turned away from the abbey and rode at such speed as we might on the road by which we came our progress was slow at the first for our prisoner sat most unevenly in his bonds and we had no mind to let him fall by the way and we had no more than fairly set out on the road when he began to shout and halloo in such wise that dickon of the wallfield who rode behind him was fain to bring him to understanding of his hopeless plight by a sharp prick from his poniard's point thereafter he was silent and we made better way but withal most precious time had been lost the night had already fallen and with another quarter hour we might have won safely away but as we approached the fork of the road we heard a thunder of hoofs coming from the castle the riders were nearer the joining than we and ere we could gain the bridge we heard their horses upon it and knew that sir john champney's men were drawing up in battle array to meet us as we surmised even then sir john had divided the force that he so hastily summoned to punish the supposed outlaws who seized the abbot for a ransom and had sent one party straight to the abbey and led the other to this point to intercept us in the light from the great moon now rising we could see that their numbers were more than twice our own they were variously armed as was to be expected with men who had been so abruptly summoned forth but there were lances and steel caps enow and some had coats of mail we sorely wished for the good broadswords we left behind at stamford or the crossbows with which a dozen of our party were so skilled but now was not time for hesitation or for choosing of courses well we knew that in a trice the other party 
riding from the abbey gates would be on our track and we would be taken in front and rear with a mighty shout we rode down upon the bridge trusting all to the darkness and the fury of our attack in a moment we were in the midst of a bloody melee on the bridge our men thrust back their hampering robes and hewed and slashed with deadly effect but those opposing us were no weaklings nor novices in war sir john champney slew two of our men with downright broadsword strokes and another was pierced through throat by a lance i rode in a closer press of fighting than i had seen since the battle of the pass and once or twice was near beaten from my horse though some of those that rained their blows on me fared worse indeed then cedric came face to face with sir john champney received a broadsword stroke on his uplifted mail-clad arm and countered with a blow that sent his enemy to earth instantly the cry arose that sir john was slain most of his followers were french and flemish mercenaries and now they melted away before us fleeing to the fields on either side of the bridge or leaping to the shallow waters below we paused long enough to learn that our men who had fallen were past all help then rode forward at a gallop up the moonlighted way with our prisoner still safely bound and in our midst by the eleventh hour we entered again the wood where we had transformed ourselves to palmers and twas the work of but a moment to change us back to knights and men-at-arms by midnight we were safely in the town and had our prisoner properly bestowed then cedric and i parted for the night i to go to my bed and he as the morrow showed to labor by candlelight all through the hours of darkness at nine the next morning i was by appointment at cedric's lodging and found that he had just dispatched a messenger to the true abbot of moberly with an urgent request that he come at once since most important news awaited him from the abbey itself this message speedily accomplished its object and the abbot standing not on ceremony came hurrying to the lodgings we greeted him most courteously and when our guest was duly and comfortably seated cedric stated that riders had come in from moberly the night before with the news of a most surprising happening a band of a score or more of pilgrims returning from the holy land had entered the abbey and doubtless being wroth at william de Belair because he had forsworn himself by abandoning his vow to go on crusade for the recovery of the holy sepulchre had seized and bound him and overawing the monastery with weapons had carried him away by force the abbot listened to this tale of violence with sparkling eyes and with no hint of censure for those who had so roughly laid hands upon a cleric dignitary when it was finished indeed he could scarce restrain his glee rising and smiting the table roundly with his hand he cried ha oh, well served well served indeed for a creature that calls himself monk and abbot forsooth when profit is that way to be gained but who forgets all monkish obligations when a layman's way of living better serves him the palmers are right indeed and i devoutly hope they may keep him for i as far from moberly abbey as his conduct hath ever been from that of a true churchman cedric then resumed in slow and measured voice it so happens reverend abbot that i have several friends among these palmers and to some extent they rely on me for advice in this matter ah is it so indeed questioned the abbot eagerly then i trust that thou as a true friend of the church and her rightful servitors hast given advice to hold this fellow they had taken 
at least till the king be brought to terms and our brotherhoods be free again to fill their offices without dictation cedric slowly shook his head nay my advice has not yet been given twill require some further meditation to be sure that tis wisely bestowed but reverend abbot if thou wilt but climb the stair that i shall show thee here and apply thine eye to a hole in the wall at the right near the top i warrant thee a sight well worth thy pains so saying cedric rose and throwing open a small door at the rear of the room indicated a dim and curving staircase that rose beyond it the abbot after a searching glance at his host as though he feared some stratagem quickly mounted looking eagerly the while for the eye-hole in the wall both of us remained below and cedric turning to a cabinet withdrew from it and placed upon the table a huge scroll of many sheets of freshly written parchment a moment later the churchman returned with brightly glowing face and twinkling eyes and when the stairway door was closed again exclaimed sir cedric de la roche thou art a true friend to the church and thy services shall be well remembered tis william de belair beyond all doubt who sits in yonder inner room and tis to archers of grimsby who guard him full well do i know who led that band of palmers and i say again thy fortunes shall not suffer for it cedric bowed and smiled ah well tis neither here nor there who led the palmers or whether they acted wholly of their own impulse the thing of greatest moment now is this scroll of the articles which i have here in fair copy read it i pray thee and see whether thou wilt give thy voice for its adoption thou wilt see that i have introduced the provision for five and twenty barons who shall enforce the charter and also have written in some other matters that seem to us of moment the abbot took the scroll and quickly conned the pages whereon he and cedric had on the first day of their labours come to full agreement then he came to the twentieth article and ceasing reading looked up at cedric sharply thou hast here the wording for which thou didst argue yesterday ay tis so answered cedric grimly read on the abbot complied but quickly came to another stop let not the body of a free man be taken or imprisoned he read that again is the very language that was yesterday rejected cedric nodded in assent read on he said for some pages the abbot went on in silence then he uttered an exclamation of surprise and paused to read again this time aloud an article that appeared near the end of the scroll all the aforesaid customs and liberties which the king hath conceded to be held in the kingdom as far as concerns his relations to his men all in the realm as well ecclesiastics as laity shall on their part observe toward their men the abbot leaped to his feet his face red with wrath what means this de la roche would thou have all these things for which we risk our lives and lands extended to every churl and varlet in the kingdom ay answered cedric steadily and if thou look abroad through our camp thou see some thousands of those same churls and yeomen that do risk their lives in this cause as much as thou or me the abbot shook his head with impatience tis beyond reason de la roche i cannot give my word for it cedric for a moment gazed out of the window then he said to me 
this keeping endurance of an ecclesiastic who was appointed to his place by the king and moreover stands high in his favor is a difficult and dangerous business twill be better if we take him to the town's edge and turn him loose to find his way back whence he came the abbot gazed at cedric with parted lips and bated breath while one might have told two score then of a sudden he flung the parchment on the table and laughed full loud and long <laughs> thou hast won delaroche i yield me thou hast won and fairly thou'rt a most persuading speaker i'll be bound i will go before our group this day and make them adopt these articles whether they will or no then to-morrow i will speak for them before the whole assembly thou shalt see what i can do when i am well put to it depend upon it the articles of that very scroll that lies before us will be the ones our party will present to the king and thou on thy part shall have due watch and ward kept of thy prisoner and see to it that he by no means gains his liberty until the king hath sealed our charter and pledged himself to interfere no more in our clerical elections the abbot was as good as his word that afternoon he delivered such an address in eulogy of the articles as they appeared in this latest scroll as i had never heard before on any subject whatsoever he marshalled all the arguments cedric had used together with many more he had not thought on his speech was filled with grace and eloquence and was of an enthusiasm that carried all away he showed beyond all doubt the power that would accrue to our party through this inclusion of the rights of the commonalty in our charter when he was done de longueville as strongly favored these provisions in the articles as on the day before he had opposed them lord esmond grimly held his peace though oft shaking his gray head in denial and soon the scroll had been adopted by our vote of four to one the following day our ardent champion made a yet more eloquent speech before the full assembly and the articles were approved by acclamation all know the remainder of the tale of magna charta how the king three days later at brackley where the articles were read to him refused them with an oath furiously declaring that the barons might as well have asked of him his kingdom how we resumed the war forthwith and the taking of his castles how the gates of london were opened to us and the king was at length brought to terms at runnymede there again twas cedric de la roche and the abbot of moberly who conferred with the archbishop and the other commissioners of the king and satisfied themselves and us that the completed scroll that received the royal seal was to the same effect as our articles of stamford and brackley and now king john is dead and little lamented and a wiser sovereign rules the land already men begin to see how great a thing was done at runnymede tis said that the great charter will be for centuries to come the basis of our english law since it affirms with equal voice the rights of all our three estates the nobility the clergy and the commons it seems to me that later generations will find in its provisions the authority and the suggestion for many a reform that we dare not yet attempt and that freer and happier men may date the beginning of better things to our bitter struggle with king john if so be may they think not overmuch of us that were noble-born and fought for lordly privilege 
but may they never forget that in our day there were true men of lowly birth who risked their all for the rights of their fellows of these was none more worthy of honor than he whom i am ever proud to call my friend and comrade cedric the forester of pelham the end end of chapter thirteen part two recording by lynette calkins monument colorado january twenty twenty end of cedric the forester by bernard gay marshall